David Kilpatrick, and I'm professor of English Literature and Sport Management at Mercy College in New York City and Westchester County, New York. Uh, I'm also the program director of the Sport Management Program at Mercy College. I'm the club historian for the New York Cosmos, and I'm the Section 3 coach trainer for the American Youth Soccer Organization. So I'm in charge of coaching education for the Northeastern United States for AYSO. And tell us about the book that you want to talk about today. Well, the book uh, that I want to talk about, I, I have to say I was a little surprised nobody else had claimed it before me, El Futbol a Sol y Sombra, or Soccer in Sun and Shadow by Eduardo Galeano. I'm the reason I... Sorry, go ahead. So, so what, what, what has brought you to... When did you first pick the book up? And secondly, where does it mean so much to you? I was trying to figure out when I, I first picked this book up because it, it seems such a part of my life. It was kind of hard to to really locate that, but uh, I was actually helped by a particular bookmark that was uh, parking past the giant stadium from 2007, and that allowed me to kind of locate when it really came into my life. And um, I think I was first exposed to Galliano and kind of tipped off to this. Uh, there was a guy named John Turnbull who had a fantastic website uh, called The Global Game, uh, which was dedicated to literature of football. Right. Um, that became an anthology uh, in 2008, um, Bison, which I think is a subsection of University of Nebraska Press or something, he took the website down, I'm, I'm sad to say, and I know he had it co-edited with uh, Ellen Robbs. It's a, still a great resource, but I think it was John Turnbull who had kind of turned me on to Galliano, either, either Turnbull or Simon Cooper, one of the two of them. Uh, but around 2007 was, in terms of my own, uh, scholarly engagement with football studies. That was around the time I took that turn. Uh, I did my doctorate in comparative literature from Binghamton, uh, where I also earned a master's in philosophy. I was in the philosophy literature theory of criticism program. And I, I did a lot of work in tragedy and modernism and things like that. And I was actually a, a theater critic for the Brooklyn Rail. Uh, but I around that time, I, I got tenure and was finding myself... Uh, with some of my theater reviews getting a little bit cliched and I was finding the New York city theater scene a little, uh, running out of steam as uh, the demographics of uh, the East village were changing quite, quite quickly. Um, and so I, I found in, in soccer, um, what I was really concerned with in terms of modernism. So, um, actually my first ever publication, uh, was in 1981. I think it was a letter to the editor of uh, a long defunct magazine called Soccer Digest. Um, uh, was defending the honor of the Memphis Rogues uh, <laughs> when they relocated. Uh, I, I was born in upstate New York, uh, born in Amsterdam, New York in 1968, but uh, uh, lived in Memphis, Tennessee for five years uh, in my childhood. And um, uh, I, when I moved back to New York from Memphis, uh, the team there, uh, left just a few weeks after I did really. And so I wrote a letter kind of defending the fan base there in Memphis. And that was my first ever publication. Uh, but from 1981 to 2007, you know, I hadn't read any, written anything more on, on soccer though. It never really left my life all that much though. Um, Really, when the North American Soccer League went defunct in 1985, actually, uh, yesterday marked the uh, 35th anniversary of that, and my beloved New York Cosmos went into uh, mothballs, I was pretty devastated. 
um, and uh, kind of turned to sex, drugs, and rock and roll, as uh, <laughs> as many of us do. Uh, uh, but uh, you know, still still kept kicking it around. But like many grad students, um, uh, kind of turned a little bit more to the life of the mind. But uh, in 1994, when I was ABD, uh, left New York and was living in Bayswater, London. And uh, as I was kind of thumbing around in the Paddington uh, branch of the City of Westminster Library, came across Fever Pitch yeah. by Hornby. And uh, I consumed that uh, quite quickly, and uh, it kind of opened things up to me, as it did for so many, um, in terms of the possibilities of soccer and literature, um, kind of debunking George Plimpton's old theory, uh, or he called it the small ball theory of literature, that the smaller the ball, the better the literature. And I thought Hornby really kind of undermined that. And um, when I went back to New York and Major League Soccer started up, I got involved a little bit in uh, some of the fanzine thing. There was something called 101 uh, that was a fanzine um, uh, started up. And so I, I did a little bit of writing on that. But um, I guess my scholarly life and, um, and my uh, sporting life were a little uh, separate. Um, I started coaching in 1994, right before I moved to London. Um, but then that kind of went on hiatus till I, till I became a parent. Yeah, of course. And, uh, and in 2005, you know, as being like the one parent who had played soccer and actually coached soccer, got recruited into American Youth Soccer Organization at the local level and uh, really quickly rose up in the ranks, especially in terms of coaching education there. And um, one of the early coaching classes I went to um, – I came back home and said to my wife, oh, this is like the philosophy of sport. And, you know, still early days of the Internet, typed in the phrase philosophy of sport, found out there was an organization for that. And uh, a lot of my interest in uh, uh, philosophy and literature uh, really kind of came together around sport um, around that time, around 2005, 2006. Um, and, you know, like I said, 2007 was the first time I actually gave an academic conference paper uh, related to soccer at all. Um, and uh, 2008, I gave a talk uh, called Nietzsche's Arsenal for the International Association for Philosophy of Sport. Um, and it was around that time that that, uh, that I obtained a copy of Soccer in, in Sun and Shadow. And it was uh, one of those books that, you know, it, it just, uh, it, it, in some parts you're jealous because you wish you would have written it. And in other ways, you're just so glad that somebody did. Um, Galliano's perspective on the game uh, just completely aligned so much with mine. And again, I have to confess, in the 1970s and 80s, I always played up front. I was always <laughs> a striker, and I, I couldn't care less uh, about the uh, style of play too much. I was blessed as a Cosmos fan to see, you know, most of the world's great, great players uh, that that golden generation. Um, but as far as I was concerned, a long ball up to me, just get me the ball. I couldn't care less. Um, and that around the, you know, the mid 2000, uh, 2000s there, you know, I, in large part because of Hornby's fever pitch, when I was living in London, I became a gooner and, uh, I was fine with George Graham one nil to the arsenal football. Um, again, as a striker that suited me, but then when Wenger came in, I really started to develop an appreciation for for the aesthetics of the game. And uh, Galliano's Soccer in Sun and Shadow really reinforced that in a way that uh, uh, I thought brought literature and philosophy together in a, in a, 
in a really beautiful, beautiful way. There's a kind of sumptuousness about soccer in Sun and Shadow, isn't there? It's very impressionistic. It's, you know, he's written, I used to read his poetry in New Internationalist magazine. But in that book, you get a sense of football being about sensations and series of sensations and, and about the kind of beauty that comes out of football or the beauty that he sees within football and also the beauty he sees within the philosophy of football. Absolutely. And, and uh, you know, when, when the kind of provocation or challenge of this 10 by 10 series for the Football Collective was announced, uh, I, I honestly thought this book would be the, everybody's first choice. <laughs> um, and I almost, you know, then I thought, I, I, I also thought personally, it's really hard for me to pick my favorite one. You know, I've got a lot of friends who wrote really great football books now, and I don't want to offend any of them. And I never met Galliano. Um, but the book is is almost. Uh, I hope this doesn't sound too sacrilegious. Biblical to me, it, it sounds oracular, um, it, as if uh, Galliano himself was just a, a conduit yeah. uh, for passes through. Um, and and the reason I thought that this was an indispensable book, the one that has to be in this ten by ten, was because I think if if we were to be wiped out, which is you know I guess a prospect we're in some ways facing. And, uh, you know, thousands of years from now, uh, people wanted to learn about uh, what, what this human race was up to. Um, I would think Galliano, Soccer and Sun and Shadow would probably be uh, the one document I would most want them to read in terms of what we did right and what was going wrong. He certainly captures what football means to South America and why South America is so different to the rest of the world, doesn't he? Yeah, and you know, it's it's also interesting to me in terms of the timing. I, I know that he had an anthology, uh, Suma Gesta Football, in, in 1968. Uh, interesting year to be putting together an yeah. anthology of, of football literature. Um, but uh, that he wrote this in 1995 um, is kind of interesting to me. I don't know if uh, Hornby and the whole zine scene uh, was something he was picking up on or... Uh, those of us who are probably a little more Eurocentric, uh, 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 you know, maybe we just weren't aware that this was going on. Maybe it was something he'd been working on all along. I don't know. Um, but again, the timing of, of it uh, to originally come out again, I didn't I didn't have a copy until 2007. Yeah. Uh, but uh, for it to have come out in that year, 1995, is, is really interesting to me in terms of when it seemed like. Uh, you know, soccer and literature are really uh, kind of coming together in a, in a really powerful way, at least writing on soccer and, you know, something other than, you know, strictly speaking, journalism. There's a poetic expressiveness about, about it, which I think is peculiarly Latin and which in a way gets kind of frowned upon in English, that there's still a kind of inverted snobbery about writing about football in this way. So as the people who distrusted Nick Hornby for being middle class, that also kind of mistrust this type of kind of sensitive uh, way of, of expressing the kind of beauty of football. Absolutely. And, you know, there's so many phrases throughout the, the book that it just, uh, yeah, I, I confess I don't have any tattoos, but if, if I were to get any, uh, maybe it would be a line from, from this book. I mean, you know, early in it, you know, when the sport became an industry, the beauty that blossoms from the joy of play got torn out by its very roots. Um, you, you see this very clear perspective that he offers, right? The, uh, a, a really strong sense of uh, how um, the aesthetic is ethical and the ethical is aesthetic. 
and they're absolutely intertwined. And, uh, you know, a celebration of uh, the notion of expenditure and just pure joy and, and uh, everything that the, the business of, of football tries to steal away from us. Uh, and he's not naive or blind to that. He addresses it throughout the whole text. So again, the strengths and weaknesses of football. The uh, you know he's he's really uh, looking at it uh, without any blinders on, um, but he's open to the joys of it, and uh, he's he's so patient for those moments of joy too. Um, yeah, it's 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 a real delight in a way that um, I wish every footballer would read Galliano. Hey.